Welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today's message is by Pastor Ben White. Pastor Ben has been on staff at Fellowship Baptist Church since 2009 and has served in a variety of ministries over the years. We hope that today's lesson will be a blessing and encouragement to you as you seek to become more like Jesus Christ in your everyday life. So let's take our Bibles and prepare our hearts for the teaching of God's Word. Third John in your Bibles. I hope you have your Bibles. I hope if you don't have your Bible, you at least have a, a Bible app on your cell phone. And um, I went to a pastor's conference yesterday up at Kobiak. And um, the whole conference, it wasn't long. It was only from 9 a.m. to 12. And uh, the topic we were talking about was preaching. And uh, the guy that was leading it said, all right, let's, uh, let's look up and I don't remember, like James or whatever. And every, every, almost every pastor there had a Bible and I'm there on my iPad and I'm just like, awkward. <laughs> I'm like, clearly I'm the sinner. Uh, <laughs> Bible, physical Bible, iPad, says the same thing. John, 3 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, the Bible says... And the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. I, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all your wonderful blessings, Father. I pray that tonight as we continue this series in leadership, that you will show us some truths from your word, from this book, this short book of 3 John, that you will show us once again some, some practical truths from this book of how we can build healthy leadership into our lives. I pray all these things in your holy, precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever noticed how many different personality types there are? Have you ever noticed how people are so different? I mean, so I remember when I would go to the airport um, and back when I was traveling more, and it just was all, I loved people watching. I loved just sitting there and just, there's so many different types of people, you know, and they're just so different. And have you ever been, um, some of us are just naturally drawn to certain types of personalities, right? Just naturally drawn to that. You know, it's always interesting, this obviously doesn't always happen, but how a lot of times spouses have very different personalities, Right? It's just always interesting. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes they're similar. But usually they tend to have very different personalities and uh, that complement each other. But we're drawn to certain personality types. And have you ever noticed how you're kind of annoyed at certain personality types? <laughs> Some personality types just kind of annoy you and get under your skin a little bit. And it's different for everyone. Um, I remember when I was working as a, a counselor at camp. And uh, I worked at Camp Kobiak for three years. The first year I was a, a counselor and a team lead. The second year I was a, um, a counselor, a team lead, and program. The last two years I was a counselor, team lead, and program. And the first year I worked at Kobiak, 
there was this guy that I worked with. He was actually the other team lead the first year, and his name was Nate. And Nate did not like me. He just did not like me. And um, first off, I like most people. It takes a lot for me not to like somebody. I just, I like people. Like I said, yesterday we went to that, that preacher's conference up at Kobiak, and it went from 9 a.m. to 12. Who do you think the last person was to leave that conference yesterday? This guy, right? Because I just love sitting around and talking and fellowshipping. Um, actually, the conference got done at 12, and I didn't leave till after 4. Okay, so I, I just, I, it, was a, it was coming around like 4 o'clock and, and uh, uh, Aaron, the camp director, was there and, and um, uh, I told him, I was, like, I was like checking my watch and stuff, I, I was like, this is about the time I told my wife I would be getting home. <laughs> I haven't even left yet. And um, I, I told him I was like, but she's used to it. She probably knew that I was going to come in a lot later because I just, I love fellowshipping. Uh, but when I worked at camp, uh, there was this guy named Nate, and uh, I, I worked with him. I believe I worked with him for two years. And the first year, he did not like me. And the second year, he hated me. <laughs> it, got it got worse the second year. And I even remember this good friend of mine uh, who ended up working on the program staff. So you have, like, there's different layers of responsibility. So you have, like, um, counselors. Then over counselors would be program and then over program would be like the program director, da da da, so on. So um, I was, I, I worked in both program and with, uh, as a counselor because they wanted to move me to program, but I just, I honestly just loved counseling so much that I told them, could I please counsel and do program at the same time just because I did not want to not work with the kids because I just loved working with the kids. So he, he kind of was like, with me, there was times where he was like over me, but times where he was with me. But I remember another friend of mine who counseled with me the first year, and he was on the program staff um, on that year, and he was like, dude, I don't know what is going on, but Nate does not like you. I was like, I know. What is this guy's problem? I li and I'm telling you, to this day, I have no idea why Nate didn't like me. I even went to him, and I, was, I remember going to him being like, hey, bro, um, can we chat? And I was just like, listen, I... I don't know what I've done. Like, have I done anything? Or I, I don't know. Like, what's going on here? And he's like, no, 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 man, we're cool. We're cool. And, uh, but no, he hated me. <laughs> he just hated me. And uh, all I can think of, even to this day, literally all I can think of is he just, something about my personality just drove him nuts. And there's probably a lot of you out there like, oh, I could totally understand what, what, what uh, uh, he, he was struggling with. Uh, but there must have been something about me that just drove him crazy. And I don't know if I reminded him of a kid that, like, uh, a bully that took his lunch money or something. But um, <laughs> I tell you, this guy just did not like me. Um, but God's given all of us different types of personalities, Right? We all have different types of personalities. I, I actually really, I, I spent a, a little while like studying out like the, the scientific side of different personalities and, and you know, they've uh, just from observation of how people work. And I, I really enjoy that. Um, but there's so many different personality types. You know, some people are quiet, right? Some people are just quiet. They're quieter people. Um, they just like to kind of be in the background. Uh, some people are loud. 
right? Uh, some people take after their mother. How many of you have heard the classic Mrs. White laugh through the church? You could be in the auditorium and she's in the, in the gym belly laughing and you're like, oh, that's the Mrs. White laugh right there. You know, some people are book smart. There's, there's book smart. They're good at school. Um, which doesn't always mean that they're like real life smart, by the way. I knew this one girl. She was very book smart and she was, uh, I don't know a nice way to say it. She was dumb. And, uh, but... Some people are book smart, and some people are people smart, right? They're, they're good with people. They understand people. They understand how people work. Some people are common sense smart. Some people are just kinder, funnier. Some people are just more hardworking. Some people are more creative. Some people are more organized. And, and I love it because each one of our personality types, even in this room tonight, come with God-given natural strengths. Each one of us. Each one of us come with God-given natural strengths. And, and really the spiritual side of this, I really started observing, um, studying the body of Christ and really how that works. And really the, so the study of the body of Christ is that same idea. Some have gifts in, in certain areas, some have weaknesses in certain areas. But every personality type comes with its own strengths and its own weaknesses. Naturally, natural strengths and natural weaknesses. Here's the point I'm trying to get to at this is that as we go through this study, uh, through, through leadership, through the book of, of 3 John, and study and see the characteristics of a healthy leader and, and some of the, the weaknesses of toxic leadership, some of these strengths that we are going to talk about are going to come more naturally to you, okay? Uh, you're going to observe it and you're going to be like, yes, I, I like that strength. You know, I can resonate with that. But some of the strengths and some of the principles we're going to be bringing out will not come naturally to you. And, and when we talk about those characteristics, those strengths of healthy leadership, specifically from this passage, like I said, this isn't a comprehensive view of leadership. That would take forever. Uh, this is simply a study through the book of 3 John. Some of them are not going to come naturally. And this is what I don't want you to say because I've talked to people like this. And... And, and this is what they say when, when you bring forth a principle or something like that. They say things like, no, I'm just not good at that. Or, or that's just not my personality. I'm, I'm just not really like that. Um, which I understand, right? However, that's not an excuse for not working on those areas and trying to grow and trying to become better, especially when they're biblical things that God is asking us to do. All right, so never use your natural weaknesses as an excuse for not developing in your life and as we talk through this in your leadership, because I know that can be a temptation. Um, um, very briefly, we talked last week about how we're, we're honestly in this room, almost every person in this room is a leader in some way, shape, or form. And even those that are are uh, leading, we're, mo almost everybody in this room is both leading and under leadership, right? Almost everybody in this room is leading and under leadership. I mean, even the President of the United States is under leadership, right? Even, even the President of the United States can't just do whatever he wants to do. So really, no matter what position you're in, you will both be in leadership and under leadership. 
So, so even learning how to become a good leader will also hopefully teach you how to become a good follower as well, how to be a, become a good servant to those uh, that are leading you. Uh, and also, I just want to mention this quickly as we get into this, is not only um, uh, as we go through this will we uh, see uh, some natural things uh, as far as leadership uh, and, and the things that God wants us to do that we won't do real well, but we should hopefully also see some of our natural weaknesses through this. And uh, uh, some of the, I'll say it this way, we all have toxic things about our lives. All of us. We all have toxic um, attitudes, spirits, um, whether it's, uh, I don't We'll get into that later. But, but do you, we all have things, weaknesses, natural weaknesses in our lives. So here's, here's the question I want to ask you right before we get into this is, do you know your strengths? I think it's important to try to understand our natural giftedness and our natural abilities. I think it's really important. Um, do you know your natural strengths? And I think even maybe more importantly than that, do you have an understanding of your natural weaknesses? the weaknesses that you have. And I understand that all of us struggle with sin, but there are sins that we struggle with more specifically, right? Honestly, there's sins that I struggle there's sins that I struggle with and then there's some sins that just aren't really even a temptation to me and somebody else that's a deep sin to them and that's a deep struggle for them. So that's important for me to understand. It's important for you to understand your natural weaknesses and your natural um, the, just the areas of your life that are weak, hopefully as you mature and become a, a, a greater leader, you're more aggressive in building uh, protection in your life around those areas. And that, that's all I'm going to say to that because we'll be talking about some of that stuff later on in the series. But my prayer for each one of us is that we come away from this series having a better understanding of how God made us, who God made us, and what we need to do to grow in our leadership. And of course, what's the purpose for growing in our leadership? We, we're not trying to grow in our leadership to promote ourselves, okay, just so we can become better and greater and just, it's not for that. The purpose of growing in leadership is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The more effective you are at leading and the better leader that you are, whether it's at home with your children or here at church or even in the workplace, the better leader you are, the more opportunity you have to effectively communicate and share the gospel. Absolutely, without a doubt. So if your motive is anything but the gospel, I hope you, you refocus that. We want to become healthy leaders for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our text here. And uh, we'll do a little bit review from last week and then jump into our new content. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Now, we totally unpacked last week what was going on here as far as context goes, but I'll very briefly uh, go back over in case you weren't here last week. Here we have John, the elder, the apostle, John, who was personally trained by Jesus, writing a letter to Gaius or Gaius, however you want to say it. The younger pastor who John was mentoring, who he was teaching, who he was vesting in, who he was training. And in this letter, in this, in this letter of 3 John, we see a, a great example of, of uh, in the beginning of healthy leadership, uh, uh, near the end, verses 9 through 12, of toxic leadership, and a great uh, 
contrast between these two, which is what we're going to be looking at. The principle we pulled out from last week is that healthy leaders are intentional about developing leaders. John, the apostle, was reproducing himself in the life of Gaius. He was mentoring Gaius, investing and guiding, giving responsibility to this young man. John knew that in order for the mission of the gospel to go forward, he had to develop other leaders to be able to take this most important message of the gospel forward. And of course, we ask ourselves at the end of this, who are you investing in? Who are you investing in? Who are you mentoring? We should be reproducing ourselves in the lives of our children. In our ministries, right? In the ministries here at church. Really, even in the workplace. In your leadership, whatever that means. We should be reproducing ourselves in our faith, right? Reproducing our faith in the lives of others. And, and listen, when you reproduce yourself, it, it, when you're investing and you're intentional about developing other people, it takes time to invest, it takes financial investment. It takes personal investment. It takes vulnerability, right? You have to be real with those that, that you're leading. I heard a, there's, a, there's a man and he says, um, people would rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right, you know? It takes patience. Sometimes it takes months, even years to develop and mentor somebody. And you know what it also takes to mentor and develop somebody? It takes risk because there's a potential that they won't turn out, right? I mean, think about it. Who is probably the greatest leader? Who, I'm sorry, not probably. Who is the greatest leader to ever walk the planet Earth? Jesus Christ. Mentored 12 men. How many of them turned out? 11. And one of them betrayed him. And guess what? Jesus knew that was going to happen, and he mentored him anyways. He knew that was going to happen, and he invested in him anyways and developed him and grew him. So yes, there is risk. One failed, one didn't turn out, but guess what, 11 did, and it was enough to turn the world upside down, amen? So recognize there is a risk if you invest in somebody that they might not turn out, but that doesn't keep us from full, fully investing and mentoring them. All right, uh, here we go, John chapter uh, three. Here we're going to jump into principle two. Principle one was healthy leaders are intentional about developing other leaders. Principle two, here we go. The elder, speaking about John here, it's John speaking about, he's calling himself the elder here. The elder unto the, what? Well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in, in, in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. Beloved. Here we have John, the older, the mentor, telling Gaius, the mentee, the one he is leading, this is what we, this is what we have John telling him. I love you. In the first 13 words, 13 words of this letter that he wrote to Gaius, he says three times that I love you. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, beloved. 
John was very clear uh, through this letter uh, about his relationship with Gaius. This is, this is John talking to Gaius. This is what he's saying, a leader to the one he is leading. Gaius, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. This is a man talking to another man saying, I love you. In the first, in verse, he says it in verse 1, in verse 2, in verse 5, and verse 11. Five times in a 14-verse letter, he tells Gaius that he loves him. Principle two is healthy leaders develop real, deep, affectionate relationships with the individuals that they lead. Healthy leaders develop real, deep, affectionate relationships with the individuals that they lead. We don't have to be weird about it, right? <laughs> we don't have to be weird about it, like, you know, you know what I'm saying. But be intentional about developing real, authentic, honest, loving relationships with the people that you lead. That's what healthy leaders do. For the purpose, you develop those relationships with the people that you lead for the purpose of mentoring them and developing them. I mean, how many of you have ever heard, and you know it's true, you know it's true, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. We've all heard that before. It's so true. I mean, how many of you remember like growing up with, and you always had that, that know-it-all person, <laughs> you know? And they just, knew, they just knew it all, and they're always correcting people and telling them what re what's really true. And, oh, doesn't that person just drive you crazy? It's like, dude, shut up. Um, even if they were right, you don't really care that they're right because they're so annoying. They're annoyingly right. People don't, know how much, people don't care how much you know so they know how much you care. You know, there was a philosophy, and I don't believe it's, it's, it's as prevalent as it used to be, but there was a philosophy that kind of uh, permeated whether our culture, the church, and, and all of it, but it was, it was really this, um, this idea that leaders need to be distant from those that they lead, right? There needs to be a healthy distance between. They, my dad said they actually taught this in Bible college. You need it. You, your congregation is down there, and you're up here, and do not develop close relationships with the people in your church. That was taught in Bible colleges, obviously a long time ago, when my dad was younger. Um, but that was a philosophy. Maintain a healthy distance. Don't let people see who you really are. Don't let people see your weaknesses. Don't become close friends with the people that you lead. To and this is what they would say it as, to protect yourself, don't get close with the people that you lead. You need to have a, more of a boss-employee mentality with the people that you lead. First off, I don't see this being a biblical model, and if anything, I see this as being a um, non-biblical model, as in anti-biblical. I love this passage. This is, this is what Jesus... This is, so, so you got Jesus, obviously the mentor, developing his disciples, the mentees, and this is what Jesus says to the people that he's leading. Listen to this. Uh, if you want to turn there, it's, it's John chapter 15, verses 15 through 14. But, but this is what Jesus says to his disciples. Henceforth I call you not servants. For a servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. 
For all, all things that I have heard of my Father, I've made known unto you. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I have commanded you. Jesus didn't call the, the, the men he was leading um, uh, assistants, employees. He didn't treat them like that, right? He, Jesus wasn't using the men that were underneath him. How many times do leaders, and I think this is just a natural mentality, your, your, your mindset is to just use the people. They are there to help you accomplish what you're there to accomplish. And they just use them. And, 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 and people that are underneath leaders like that can feel it, right? I'm just a tool to this person. And as soon as you're not useful anymore, you're out and the next guy in, right? You're just a cog in the wheel. That's not the way Jesus treated his disciples. On the side note, um, through this passage, something else we see here, and, and I'm not going to get off on a tangent, but uh, even in this passage here, we see uh, toxic leaders, uh, even from right here, uh, a little side principle as I was reading through this, toxic leaders hoard information. Henceforth I call you not servants, for a servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth. Right? The Lord, not like the Lord, like Lord Jesus Christ, but the person over, it's like, oh, you are the servants. I, I am the Lord. You are the servants. I uh, hold all the knowledge, and you are all the peasants below me. Right? Serious. Toxic leaders hoard information. They use it as a source of control not releasing information to people to control people. I remember I heard this story of this one guy, this pastor, and this, this uh, evangelist came in for, a, for a, a, a conference for the next three days, and he preached Sunday morning, and they got to church Sunday night, and the evangelist was gone, and the preacher just got up and preached a message and dismissed and left and didn't say anything. It was like, we're not doing revivals for the rest of the week. Just, you know, don't worry about coming out now. And then left, and everyone's like, uh, awkward, <laughs> you know, like, what's going on? And, uh, you know, and it was, it's just a source of control to control people. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for a servant knoweth not. Now, obviously, as a leader, there are things that you're just not free to share, right? That's tactfulness, clearly, as a leader. But they don't withhold information out of tactfulness. They withhold it out of control. I am the Lord, you are the servants. But look what, look what healthy leaders do. Healthy leaders are free with information. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Hey, you're my friends. Listen, I, I'm not holding anything back. All the, everything God's given me, I freely give to you. My goal is to invest in you, to make you better. I'm not holding anything back. I want, I'm here to help you guys become all that you can be. Healthy leaders are free with information. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father. I've, I've made known unto you. Hey, what I know, you know. I'm here, right? I trust you guys. I'm not holding anything back. Everything God's given me, I've given to you. But back to the original point that we're talking about. Jesus' development of his disciples was rooted in this passage. It was rooted in what? Friendship. Love. The foundation of, of Jesus' relationship with his disciples was friendship. Jesus called his disciples my friends. You know, Paul regularly communicated uh, his love to Timothy. Timothy was very similar, kind of like um, Jesus was mentoring his disciples. Paul was mentoring Timothy, this young man. And Paul actually wrote the first two chapters of 2 Timothy to rebuke Timothy. 
first two chapters were chapters of rebuke. D does rebuke have to come into the life of, of somebody you are mentoring at times? Absolutely, right? Obviously, that's part of the mentoring process is bringing rebuke into the life. And, and that, that literally is part of mentoring, leading and guiding. But look what Paul says as far as rebuke goes. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of my testimony, uh, be thou, ah, excuse me, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God. Timothy, don't be ashamed. You're, you're, you're ashamed. You're, you're embarrassed of me. You're embarrassed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed, Timothy. Stand up. Be bold. Verse 12, he says, For which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Timothy, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of me. So, he's, so here we have Paul bringing rebuke into the life of the man that he is mentoring. But before he brings rebuke, notice what he says in verses 1 through 4. Listen to this. Paul speaking, the very same letter, this is the beginning when he's talking to him, brings the rebuke, listen to the graciousness and the love that he communicates to Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I, Timothy, I love, man, I cannot tell you, Timothy, how much I love you. Verse 3, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Timothy, man, I love you so much. Dude, I have been praying for you since you left and since you have been leading. I pray for you. Literally, I pray for you day in and day out. Every day, man. I just, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. So thankful for what you are doing. Verse 4, he says, greatly desiring to see thee and to be mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. Man, Timothy, I love you. I'm so proud of you. You're doing such a great job. Honestly, I just, I want to, I, I would just love to go golfing with you again. <laughs> I just want to hang out with you, man. I just miss being with you. You are such a dear friend to me. Before Paul ever rebukes Timothy, he confirms his love to him. And not... And not one of those, you know, that there, there's, those, there's those people that um, the only time they tell somebody that they love them is right before they rebuke them, <laughs> right? They never tell them that they love them, then they bring someone in to talk. Now, you know I love you, right? And the people are just like, oh, oh, here it comes. It's coming. It's coming. Paul regularly told Timothy how much he loved him. He really, Paul's doing here exactly what John was doing to Gaius. Uh, Timothy, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Can you bring rebuke into people's lives and still love them? 100%. Um, actually, it's in the security of love that change can effectively happen in people's lives. It is in the security of love 
that change can effectively happen. You know, those people that use fear to try to implement change in the lives, that is temporary change. When somebody changes out of fear, I'm telling you, that is fleeting. And as soon as you're gone, that change is done, right? You might get faster results with implementing fear into the life instead of love. You'll get faster results, but they definitely are not permanent. As soon as you're out of there, they go right back, if not worse. Healthy leaders develop real, deep, affectionate relationships with the individuals that they lead. Do you confirm your love to people that you lead? That's what God does to us, right? Constantly confirming his love to us. The Bible says we are accepted in the beloved. That's how God treats us. You, maybe you say, um, well, they know I love them. <laughs> that, that's definitely a weakness for guys to say stuff like that. Well, they, they know I love them. Do they? Do they know that you love them? Those that you lead? Whether your children, here, here in your ministry, at work, wherever, do they? Have you, have you told them that? Have you, have you actually told them that you love them? Have you expressed your love for them and your care for them? Have, have you told them that they're doing a good job when, when they're doing a good job? How, how, how do you communicate that, your love to, to those that you lead? How, how do you do that? If you have not come right out and said it, how, how are you expressing that to them? What if we treated our family relationships like that? Um, if you're only telling your kids you love them once a year, they're not going to feel loved. You know how many times I have to tell my kids I love them? Like 10 times a day, minimum. I can't tell you how many times we're on our way to school and I just reach back and I, I uh, pat Titus on the leg. I said, hey, do you know daddy loves you? Yes, dad, I know. <laughs> I love you, son. And before he gets out uh, out of the, the van, you know what I do? Sometimes, especially if there's people around, I make him come give me a big old hug and kiss. And then sometimes after chapel, you know what I do when I know he's in his class, watching his class? I go in there when everybody's watching, I give him a big old slobbery kiss on the face. And he, and he acts like he doesn't like it, but he does. I want him to know I love you, son. You know, I'm not nearly good enough about telling my wife enough times that I love her. How many times is too many times telling somebody that you love them? There is not too many times, right? You cannot over-communicate your love for people. I don't think anybody in here has a problem saying, yes, they just show too much love to me. Just wish they didn't. It's just like constant love, 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 love. No. We struggle with not showing love enough. Um, no, uh, a, a bonus note, side note here. Notice that the older mentor, he was not afraid to publicly identify with the man he was leading. Um, he was writing to Gaius, and he was saying, Gaius, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. 
But guess what? He knew other people were going to read this letter, right? So this is what he was saying. He wasn't just telling Gaius that he loved them. This is what he was saying. I want everybody to know, Gaius, this guy, I love this guy. This guy is my friend. And I will publicly speak good of him before you. This is a good guy. And I love him. And don't ever come to me and start gossiping about him because this, I love this guy. He was willing to publicly affirm his love for him. Man, we are, I cannot believe how fast the time has gone tonight. But let me ask you this. How can you show love to those that you lead? You know, there's a book by Gary Chapman called um, that kind of narrows down the love languages to, down to the, the five uh, different areas of love languages. And, and let's just go through those really quick because I know like sometimes we read that as far as like spouses go. We want to learn our spouse's love language. And this isn't like Bible. This is just, you know, uh, from observation. So there's not a chapter and verse for this, but just observation. Here's some of the, the, the ways that Gary Chapman says you can show love. Words of affirmation, right? Use your words to show love. What are some words that you can do to show love? First, I love you, right? Is it okay to tell another man that you love them? I know it's weird nowadays because things are so weird, but it's okay, right? To tell, hey, I love you, man. I really appreciate you. Say things like, thank you. You're doing a good job. Man, you crushed it at that presentation. Man, you just did so good. I was blown away. I was literally blown away, man. You are, you are, that was amazing. Keep up the good work, bro. Instead of trying to find what people are doing wrong, let's try to find what people are doing right. Right? It's so easy to be constantly focused on what people are doing wrong, but let's try to catch people doing right instead of trying to catch them doing what's wrong. That's a real quick. That, that might actually be a full lesson later, but toxic, always finding wrong. Healthy, always finding what's right in people. Words of affirmation. Quality time. Spend time with those you lead. Spend time with them. I don't even care. I tell you what. You want to be effective in the gospel at work? Invite your coworkers and their families over for dinner. What? When's the last time do you think Somebody at work invited somebody else at work over for dinner. And just like, hey, I'd love to have your family over for dinner. Talk about building a relationship, right? Spend time with, with someone at work. Spend time with those you lead. Find out what they enjoy and go do it with them. Have fun with them. Go golfing. Go fishing, if you're into that. <laughs> hey, I knew, it. I knew I'd get an amen out of Mr. Corser. Have them over for fellowship and games. Hey, I'm here to tell you, Jesus spent a lot of time with his disciples. There's so much in the Bible that we don't have recorded. Jesus spent time. And how much, you think Jesus had fun with his disciples? Remember I told you, for the most part, they were in their 20s, right? If there's one thing we know about the disciples, they could be knuckleheads. So I can't imagine the practical jokes they pulled on each other and the things that they did. And I could just see them out there just having fun, you know? I mean, what else are you going to do? They're walking for, for like hours, if not like a whole day, walking together. Man, they got to be cutting up and doing something. Hey, did you see that person back in that last town? I don't know. Jesus spent a lot of time with his disciples. Um, receiving of gifts, that's a love language. Some people love gifts. 
It doesn't have to be a new car, right? However, I want you to know, if you bought me a new car, I'd feel loved. Just, <laughs> I'd feel very loved. So I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be. It can, it can be a $5 gift card to Starbucks, right? Just to show somebody that you love them. It doesn't have to be expensive. $25 gift can, man, that's, especially for someone that loves gifts, that's a big deal. How can you show love? It's not about really what you give. It's about the fact that you gave. Acts of service. Do something nice for someone. Help them out. Some people, that's, that's a real love language for them. Physical touch. Don't get too crazy on it, right? <laughs> but some people are huggers. I'm a hugger. I love giving people hugs. Physical touch. Give someone a hug. Tell them that you love them. You know, wrapping this all up, I want you to think about this. In the Old Testament, there was a man by the name of Absalom. He was the son of King David, all right? If you don't know who Absalom is, you definitely know his dad, David, okay? He's, the, he's one of the big ones in the Bible. And David had a son by the name of Absalom. Now, David was not a great father. He was an incredible leader of men and a very poor father, which is a shame. And look, look... The Bible says that Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel away from his father. And listen to how he did it. He spent time listening to them. So here, here men would come to, to talk to David. David didn't have time. He was too busy. And Absalom was like, hey, I'll listen. Come here. Tell, tell me what, what's going on. He spent time with them. He empathized with them. Man, right? I can't believe that guy took your sheep. Brother, that's messed up. I, I wish I could help you. I really do. If I was in charge, I'd get those sheep back. I would. Man, I, so, so he listened to them. He empathized with them. He spent time with them. He told them he wanted to help them. He showed them love. And the Bible says that he embraced them and kissed them. All right, <laughs> on a 2020 type of way. That was a regular greeting back then. So he embraced them and kissed them. So, so look at that. Look through that. How many of the love languages did he communicate? Right? Physical touch, words of affirmation, uh, quality time. You know, I wish I could give you the gift of giving that back to you because if I was in charge, I would give you that gift. And look what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 6. It says... And on this manner did Absalom to all, all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. If you don't show love to those that you lead, whether it's your children, people at work, here at the church, if you don't show love and appreciation for them, they're going to go to someone that will. And that can even happen in a marriage, right? Healthy leaders develop deep, real, affectionate relationships with the individuals they lead. Final questions. What can you do this week to start showing love? It's, it's almost Valentine's Day, right? If there's a time we should be thinking about how to show love, it's during Valentine's Day. How can you show more love, genuine love to your children? to your friends, to those at church. There's some ministry leaders here. How can you show genuine love for those in your ministry? At work, 
in your community. The list could go on and on. Hey, Jesus is the ultimate example of showing love, right? The ultimate example. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to do good things for us. He wants to listen to us. He wants to talk with us. He sacrificed everything for us. We need to follow Jesus' example and the example of John. Ask yourself, what do I need to start doing this week to develop deep, real, authentic relationships with the individuals I lead? You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.